spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. The following presentation is brought to you by Sports Ethos. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. The Memphis Grizzlies are currently on pace to break the NBA record for single-season wins. They're on pace to go 82-0. Are they going to get there? What's the verdict? We got Candace, we got Isaac, we got David. And that game got a whole lot closer than what it should have. I'm not going to go into a rant this early in the show, but I will let you guys lead off with, Isaac, let's go to you, and then Candice, you can follow him up. What was number one biggest takeaway from last night's win against the New York Knicks? Final score was 115-112. to 112. Uh, it, it, Interesting game, definitely. Uh, Grizzlies built that 19-point lead, man. And in true Grizzlies fashion, like I guess it wouldn't be a Grizzlies opener if it didn't reflect what we're used to seeing from, from this team. And that's they have a propensity to blow big leads no matter who's on the floor. And we saw that again last night, man. That thing got way too close. I think that was a bad call at the end. I think that John Morant uh, lay in. That should have been a game winner. But, I mean, they ended up winning in overtime. A lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, Evan Fournier out of bounds on that last shot. Glad it didn't go in. I mean, referees really, really struggled in that game. But I think the biggest takeaway is is the young guys. Uh, I had questions about all these guys going into – going into this game, and for one game, man, I, I think I like what I saw. I mean, especially Santi Aldama. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. I was a big believer of him coming out of Vegas and coming into the preseason. I had decided at that point that, yes, man, this is not just a fluke. This is real. This guy's a rotation player. He's not made to fit in, but I think he even exceeded those expectations last night. Uh, 18 points, 11 rebounds, assists, a steal, a block. I mean, he's doing things on the defensive end. He's three of eight from three. Um, I mean, this is going to, he's going to be awesome um, off the bench when, when Jared Jackson Jr. comes back again. I mean, I noticed this one game, but he's going up against Julius Randle, man, and doing this. He's for real, man. It's just another hit by this front office. I mean, and I talked to you about this earlier um, and I put this out on Twitter and we were kind of talking about Aldama and, and, and David was saying how a lot of people didn't believe in him. And it was the, quite the transformation because, I mean, even going back to the Utah Summer League, he still looked like that deer in headlights guy we saw year one. That didn't look like you saw any improvement from him in Summer League and you, from, from year one. And somewhere, man, between Utah and Vegas, the flip switched, and uh, uh, he's been awesome ever since. Um, and I think to do it in the regular season up against a guy like Julian Rand- Julius Randle, man, I was super, super impressed with him. Um, and again, but from my thoughts, like he wasn't the guy that I was worried about. I knew – or felt like he was a rotation player. But LaRavia came in, man, did some nice things as well. Uh, did some things on the defensive end, did knock down knock down a three-pointer, uh, looked good on that shot. So, man, through one game, man, so far so good, man. I had questions about that bench, but last night they did some good things. Now, I think 
pump the brakes on. Like some people are already like doing victory laps. Man, young guys and, and rookies. 82 you, and 0, baby. 82 there's, and 0. There's gonna be some ups and flows for these guys, man. So don't don't do a victory lap let. There's some like, oh yeah, see, I told you Laravia and blah blah blah. It's one game, man, and, and, and they did. This was a bad, just a bad Knicks team, and they did have to go to overtime to beat this team. It's not like they they were up by 19, but they did have to end up going to overtime. So love what I saw of the guys, man. Happy to see it, but I'm not thinking that we're gonna get this for all for the rest of the 81 games that we have left. They're gonna be ups and flows with these guys. So have patience with them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think my biggest takeaway is just next man up mentality is still alive and well, uh, still thriving, which is good to see. Uh, you know, we had questions about that. that, But I think Ja, ja is just it's, – it's Ja, man. <laughs> a next man up mentality doesn't quite work because not for Ja putting on the show that he did. That's just the reality of the situation. You know, you had Bang struggling, and you did get some contributions from other people. It was not like Santi Adama, I agree, had, had a really good game. Um, John Contra was able Contra, to provide you some points, uh, which is a surprise to me. But I'm with Isaac. Uh, it's one game, and I never thought they'd be incapable of, of doing it. It's just a matter of the consistency level. Yeah. So we'll see. That's yet to be seen. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everything revolved around John Morant and just the incredible game that he had, you know, put, putting himself in the conversation for MVP already. You know, I saw pretty much uh, his – but ESPN is, is, is a heavy topic of conversation already just because of that performance that he put on. And so um, it's, it's looking good. I mean, as long as you got 12 on the court, you're always going to have a chance. Uh, I'm I'm happy for them being able to make, make I mean, really make do. It wasn't, it was pretty, pretty a surprise. Everybody knew Jaron was going to be out. Um, a lot of people suspected that Zaire might not play in the opening night game. But what was a surprise and, and a really heavy hit was Dylan not being able to play, not being available. And so despite that, this team was able to shift and adjust. I saw some people complaining about some of the rotations, but man, you're going to have some weird rotations when it's only when your only shooting guard is now playing forward and you're the only yeah. shooting guard playing forward. And so uh, it was some tough rotations in there. Absolutely. But, you know, it's only so many guys available at this point. So uh, a good game, good effort. It, will, it got way closer than it had to, but it just came down to the bench not being able to score on their own. You know, when Ja was off the floor, that's when they started losing those minutes. And, you know, it was some of those same issues that I, I had concerns with, but they won at the end of the day. And and ultimately, if those concerns I have in terms of rim protection and three-point shooting, if they're still going to be able to pull it out and grind out those wins until they get back healthy, I'm cool with that. I mean, the ultimate, the, the ultimate thing I'm concerned about is when you be able to take advantage of the, of the relatively um, easy schedule they have you know, to start the season they can do that. They can still capitalize and still get some wins out. At the end of the day, I know once they get back healthy, they'll be fine. So I'm a, I'm really pleased. I'm happy with what I saw. Uh, happy they were able to pull out the win at the end of the day, and, and that's pretty much all that matters for me. All right. So I, I've got a few things here. I'm going to lead off with this. Isaac made the comment about this being a bad Knicks team, and and I don't want to give them too much credit, but this this team is – not far for removed from being one win away from the Eastern Conference Finals. And I know that they had a rough season last year, but point guard makes a huge difference. And I know a lot of people were crapping on Jalen Brunson and 15 points and nine assists. I mean, I'm not disappointed. It was not just you. Like if, if I want to call you out specifically, I will, but it wasn't <laughs> just you. And, and, if you 
watched the fourth quarter of this game, you saw why they paid Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson in the fourth quarter of the, uh, of the game, he had multiple possessions where he was orchestrating that offense and he was getting anywhere that he wanted to get. That's what got them back into the game. Cam Reddish played extremely well, knocked down a three to tie the game. But I don't know that I would go as far to call this a bad Knicks team. There's some stuff that they've got to work out, but it would not surprise me to see this Nick team, Nick team in the Eastern Conference playoffs this year. Oh, Based no, off man. of talent alone, man. Like you're you're talking like I agree with R- R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Jalen Brunson. You got Isaiah Hartenstein, which is a really good bench center for this team, especially considering the foul trouble that you see from Mitchell Robinson pretty frequently. You know, Hartenstein ended up, he played 40 minutes last night, 16 points, four assists, eight rebounds. He he played well. Like that's going to be a good bench center for them. Cam Reddish, you saw what he was capable of last night. He was torching the Grizzlies. Obi Toppin only played 13 minutes, but he's better than the two points that he put up. I think that this team is not going to be in the upper echelon of teams in the league, and the Grizzlies should have beat them and beat them probably a little more handily than what they did. That 19-point gap, I, I don't know that the Grizzlies are 19 points better than this team but I think that they are better than having to go to overtime to beat this team. The second thing that I want to mention is we, we talked about being short in rotations, but you still have to be smart with what you got. And I will die on this hill playing Brandon Clark and Steven Adams at the same damn time does not work. You can show me yeah. stats. You can show me on and off. You can show me whatever in the hell you want to show me. I don't give a flying flip. Watch the game. They were they were combined. The Adam, Adams and Clark were on the floor together for 25 possessions last night. They were a negative 52. The offensive rating was 104. The defensive rating with both of those guys on the floor, 156. This is one game. It's a small sample size. You can pull nah, up the man, stuff from you, last yeah. year. But Brandon Clark is not a damn three-point shooter. And him parked in the corner. Please, please get out of the corner. Like, it's yeah. handcuffing him. You're hate neutralizing him, him. one of your most – like, he is one of your best offensive weapons – out like because of his ability to roll, his ability to leap, the things that he can do, you're completely neutering him, leaving him in the corner. You saw him trying to shoot those threes last night. I know damn well that coaching staff saw it, and he looked terrible. His form still looks clunky. Love him to death. Let him be a role man. Brandon Clark does not need to be more than 10 foot away from the basket. You should not ever at any time play Brandon Clark and Steven Adams together. Ever. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you want to come at me with what you see from last year. And I don't have I don't have the lineups pulled up from last year, but I can pull it up and I can guarantee you the positive is not better than negative 52. Like it's not enough that it's going to offset this negative 52. That lineup was garbage. I could see it last night in the game. I didn't realize it was going to be this bad, but when I pulled up the stats, I was like, I knew it was awful. I could tell it was awful. And you are just locking down one of your best players for no damn reason. Put Roddy out there. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he played well. Put LaRavia out there. He shot the ball better than Roddy. He played well on the defensive end. 
put Brandon Clark at the five or keep Adams at the five. Do not put those guys out there together and come at me on Twitter and try to argue with me. I don't care. I'm not even going to talk to you about it because if you sit here and you watch basketball, there is no way in hell that you can tell me that you think Brandon Clark and Steven Adams on the floor at the same time is going to lead to good basketball. It does not. I've seen it enough. And last night, the 25 possessions, I pray, and I know it's going to be more, but I pray that we don't see another, not one possession for the rest of eternity with Brandon Clark and Steven Adams on the floor at the same time, unless they're on opposite teams. I think you're going to see it. I hate it, but yeah, man, he needs to completely scrap that, that three-point shot. I know he's searching for that, that magic that he had and, and that small sample size in his rookie year, but just not coming back, man. I don't know what happened to his shooting form. The shooting form still looks bad. I mean, like he's like he's not even close uh, on those three-point attempts. Like most of that, hit the side rim. He's not even close to knocking them down. And you just paid this guy. I mean, you're completely neutralizing what he does best by putting him in that position. There's no reason to have those guys on the floor together. We've talked about that on here, and it's just a bad mix. Um, and I, I'm like, I'm glad, like I said today. Uh, decided to, to bring him out the bench and start Sunday Aldama, but then you're still mixing and matching. That's not the mix and match that you need. Like you said, put Aravia Roddy in that spot. You do not need to have Brendan Clark and Stephen Adams on the floor together. I mean, it just does does not work. I mean, I think we've seen enough of it, saw some of it last year, and it's never never good. I'm sure if you – I don't know what the numbers are. I haven't pulled the numbers from last year, but I'm sure it's bad then too. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen them on the floor together and it looked – looked good or they, they had a lot of success with both of those guys on the floor. So it's, it's going to be weird. I mean, you have those three guys out, uh, got some new guys working in, but there's ways around that of uh, having those two guys on the floor together. Like I just mentioned, put LaRavia out there, put Roddy in that spot. It, play, it's just not going to work between those two. Play Clark at the five, Aldama at the four. Yeah, four play yeah. Clark at the five, play Roddy at the four. You got like X played some time. He played minutes last night. That play Clark at the five and exit the, at the four. Like you, you can't keep putting those guys out there. I've got the numbers up. They played together 324 possessions last season. Their total net was they were positive 10.5, but the defensive rating defensive with those two guys on the floor is 116.4. One and yeah. and I don't know what led the league last year, but I'm pretty sure or what was the worst in the league. But I'm pretty sure 116.4 has got to be damn close to it. And so even though they had a they had a positive impact on the offensive end of the floor last season. And that even surprised me a little bit, but go ahead. Their biggest like their the best lineup, the reason it was like they had three shooters with them. All of the all of their positive lineups, they had three guys that can knock down a three. Tyus Jones, Melton, and Bain, uh John Morant, Bain, and Melton. Um, well, they did it twice in the playoffs. Too. I've got the playoff numbers. And I think what my conclusion is, it is completely based off of matchups. But it is either boom or bust. So they, only did, they did it seven times. They had only seven possessions, but they did that in the playoffs. But in the playoffs, they had one lineup with, with Ja, Brooks, Bain, then Clark and Adams. That was plus 50, right? But then they had another one with Tyus Jones, D-Mail, Des and Bain, Clark Adams, and that was negative 33. So, I mean, it's it's really it, – it's yeah. it hardly ever works. It's definitely not something you can depend on regularly at all. And when you do do it, you want to be specific about the matchups and, you know, who you're playing on the floor. Uh, very specific situations in which you want to do that. And I, it's not something I think the team can lean on. 
And I think it's even worse now because, you know, right now the wing dip is is a is a huge issue. So on top of the wing dip issue, it only exacerbates it. I'm not surprised at those numbers just because there's no I mean, we're limited on shooters anyway at this point. Yeah. And so you, you throw that in there on top of having two non shooters yeah. on the on the floor. And it, 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 yeah. That's if murder. You play, if you play X out there with him. X is not a crazy good shooting threat, but he's got a better chance at knocking down that corner three than Clark does. And and that just, it just when they made those changes to his mechanics, and I'm sure that it was something to prevent injury from him, because if it's not going to injure him, why mess with it? Um, but but ever since they made that change, he has just not looked the same as far as shooting the ball. Like he. Last year, you saw the bounce back, and you saw the the pogo stick, the, the soft floater. touch, the like the finishes around the rim. Yeah, you saw the the good Brandon Clark, but his shot, the, shot you know, his free throw I mean, percentage, it, it, it's just clunky, man. And and that is, I mean, he, he hits. I mean, those shots are like, I mean, sometimes you see him shoot. I mean, it'll break the rim. Like it does not yeah. look good at all. Like he he needs to stay in the paint, man. That's his bread and butter. Like you said, ten foot around the rim, those little push shots to the floater and mm-hmm. stuff like that, man. That's where he needs to live, man. We don't do, I mean, they have other guys out there that can, can make mid range shots and stuff like that. They don't, they, you just don't need that from him. That's not going to be his game. It looked like his rookie season that he has some three point shooting potential, but like you said, whatever they did with the, with his shot, like, I mean, they, he even talked about it going into their second season that they did it to improve his shot. And that's definitely not the result that he got. Like, I, I don't know what they did to it, but, that shot he has now, man, it, it, it's broken. I mean, that's – I used to give him a pass on it, man, because the season – like I did, I, I, I'd give him a pass on it because the season that they made the changes, it was the shortened off season, so he didn't get the reps up. But we're, what, two – like I, I think, yeah, I guess two or three full seasons now into – what year is this? This is – this is year four for Clark. So, yeah, this is – we're through two full seasons. This is the start of the third season. And he had a full off season this time to get reps in with that, you know, that form, and it still looks clunky. So, it, it sometimes you just got to go away from it, man. Like, it, I know what the game is. I know you, you, you need guys that can stretch the floor – but you can be successful with him not being able to stretch the floor. Like he'll be just fine. And I just, I just don't want to see it. I don't, there, there's not, he took two, three point shots last night. Give literally anybody on the team, those two, three point shots. And there's a reason else. why, he, there's a reason why his shot's always wide open. There's a, there's a reason yeah. why guys are not guarding about the quarter. He's just standing there. Passing the nobody, Same nobody reason folks aren't guarding up. Draymond Green from the three point line. Cause you know better. It's like, Take it. I don't care what the analytics said. This dude couldn't hit water with a rock from 10 feet away. Like, let him take it. So, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that one. We uh, we can talk about the free throw mess. You know, I always like yeah. to mention that. And uh, Not good. At one point when Tyus missed that first free throw in overtime, Candace was sitting in the same row as me, and I looked over, and she was just staring at me. I'm like, "Don't look at me! Don't look <laughs> I, at me! I knew you know it. what I'm he doing?" He missed both those here. free throws. I man. couldn't believe it. I'm like, "Tyus, uh, come on, man! Tyus, you Tyus missing too?" I was like, yeah. "Man, that is crazy, man!" 
you know, and that's, uh, I was talking to my buddy on the way home and he's like, you know, you got Steven Adams. You can't expect them to shoot good from the free throw line, but <laughs> you remove Steven Adams, four free throw attempts. The Grizzlies were 13 for 19 for 68%. And I, for one, expect a much better than that from a team. Yeah, you need you to cannot, be at least around 75. I mean, yeah, you, you can't win playoff series shooting 68% from the line. If you shoot 68% from the line in a playoff series, it is going to beat you. It, it will happen. I guarantee it. If you can't make free throws at the end of the game, the other teams are going to start fouling you earlier. They are going to put you in positions where you have to make those free throws to beat them. And yeah, it's, it's the first game. Like it's, you know, you hear the the team say all the time, not too high, not too low. You know, I, I want to come on here and scream. We're going to the ship because Aldama's a double, double, and he's going to the bench in a month. You know, that, that's going to just add to the depth of this team, Yeah, but it, it's game one. So you're going to have some hiccups. I just hope that they look at what we saw last night with Adams and Clark and Clark parked in that corner and steer away from it. I, I know that we'll see that lineup again. I know we'll see them out there again, but it, it just makes me sick thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to get, I wanted to get you guys uh, opinion on this because I, I, for one, saw that David Roddy, I think I saw Isaac notice that he mentioned on Twitter that David Roddy was the first one off of the bench. So I kind of thought that, yeah. you know, that he had sort of won. We talked about before who was going to, who were they going to lean on? And I thought it was David Roddy, but when you look up the final end of the end of the end of the game, they both got 12 minutes. And so we had kind of talked about David Roddy being the the more NBA ready guy, the guy who probably come off the bench and provide a little bit more. But it seemed like in this game at least that that Jake Laravia uh was able to kind of step up. So I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on sort of how you thought the rookies did. I mean it's more than one rookies obviously but you know these are the guys that they got the they got the minutes how you think that they did and and do you think this changes anything about the projection oh I, I think to start off the game I think it was exactly what we thought it was I think Roddy had kind of separated himself and that's kind of why Taylor went to him first but I think he was really struggling offensively I mean he didn't score went over six from the bill or two from three and I think once he struggled I think they decided okay well we're going to try Laravia and Laravia played better, and, and that's kind of why you saw him in there in the fourth quarter. I think they, they just saw Roddy struggling, and they decided to go with LaRavia. So I think that's going to be something that you might see go back and forth until somebody really solidifies themselves. Because, I mean, before this, it's all been preseason summer league stuff. This is regular season basketball now, so these guys are going to have to, to earn their stripes. And, and I think Roddy struggled a little bit. He did some good things on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I think offensively, he, he just really struggled, so they decided to go with Arabia, but I think you're going to see that flip-flop back and forth until somebody really kind of solidifies themselves. And I think when Zaire comes back, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens then with, with the minutes there. I think that'll kind of probably lessen some of their minutes there, but I, I think it's going to go back and forth. I don't think either one of those guys is really, really separate themselves because you want to see what they're going to do in the regular season, and that's test number one. And uh, offensively, Roddy didn't have Arabia definitely looked like the more ready player last night, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case all the time. Like you said, it's going to be kind of ebbs and flows with these guys as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah. Roddy just – he didn't shoot the ball well, but I didn't feel like he played bad. I, I know you look at 0 for, 0 for 6, and there wasn't much yet. He had two offensive rebounds, one assist, and, and, and that was it. But 
it didn't feel like it was deer in the headlights type stuff. It, no, he just, he just he didn't look out of place. Shot to fall, you know, and, and that's you know that comes with rookies, right? You're going to have that with rookies. I like what both of them were able to do defensively. And, and honestly, I didn't know, or not that I didn't know, I didn't expect Roddy to be this effective on the defensive end of the floor. And it's not like he's a, you know, lockdown defender, just, you know, shutting everybody down. But there were quite a few times last night that I was watching him out there and he was just in the right spots, doing the right things on the defensive end. And when you're playing team defense, that's the most important part. You can be an elite defender, but if you're not in the right spot, doesn't matter. And Roddy was in those spots on the defensive end. And I think that's really where it's going to matter most for these guys. Jake LaRavia played well last night, too. Uh, one for two from three, knocked down two free throws. Um I, I still I feel like Roddy has the edge right now, but I, I agree with Isaac in the fact that you're probably going to see them go back and forth. The one positive about the injuries right now is the fact that you have these games early in the season, so you're getting minutes for these guys right now against rotation players. So for these next however many games, they're missing Zaire and they're missing Dylan, and you know the, the Dylan thing with him being listed as doubtful, you know, I, I think that we see him come back, I would say Monday against the Nets at the yeah, latest. Yeah, he's need it, for um, sure. But, you know. I think play him Saturday. You think, and, and that's a, that's I, a, I a good so, possibility. Because, night because, I mean, you going up against Luca, man, it would be nice to nice to have him for that. Uh, I mean, definitely on Monday, those are tough matchup. So, I mean, I, I definitely think he's back by Saturday. I'd be surprised if he's back, even if he's not back by 30, because would it be a doubtful? That means that he's probably not going to play, but even if there, there was a thought that he could play last night, even a little bit, you think he'd be back after after missing two games? Yeah, I think he did warm up, but yeah, know, game you know game time decision, he wouldn't going to work. I didn't expect him to really play anyway, with it, like you said, with it being doubtful. But, you know, sometimes they you know, sometimes they can be questionable that next game, but I think just off the principle that it is a back-to-back, he probably might could have come back Friday, but I just think that they're going to reserve that. They're playing yeah. Rockets. They Since the back probably figure yeah. they can handle that and is you know put him in against against Luca. I agree that that would be valuable, especially having somebody with fresh legs being able to come in and and, and guard Luca. I think would be a big help. If fresh, fresh hairdo too, fresh hairdo man, at, at rocking a <laughs> rocking a new look, man. I don't I don't know if that's a a thumbs up or a thumbs down, man. It seems like most people went thumbs down on it, but. Uh, but to kind of go back to what we were talking about, about uh, LaRavia and Roddy, and I've talked about being younger and, and, and less experienced on the bench. I think a positive, we're talking about them on a the defensive end, is both of those guys seem to have a basic understanding, like David talked about Roddy, about where he was always in the right, he was in the right spot. And, and they seem to, to have a baseline of guys that, that have potential to grow on defense. I don't think either one of those guys going to be a steal. I mean, Rod, uh, LaRavia has been super dis- dis- disruptive. Uh, he had a steal and a block last night. I mean, he has good defensive instincts and both of those guys, they, they're they not guys that don't try on the defensive end. I um, mean, I think they have that baseline of guys that can be coached up to, to be solid players on that end. So I think that's a real positive for both of those guys. I think they're going to they're gonna be pretty solid defenders when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to whoever can provide the most offensively and they're going to just roll with that. And you're right, I think it might go back and forth, if nothing else, that like the, the concept of rookies being inconsistent 
you know, whoever's having the off night, they're going to try the other one. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can balance that way um, to kind of to round out. Maybe that's the strategy. I don't know. But uh, hopefully that work that works out, especially with them being down uh, so many wings at this point. So they'll be needed. That's for sure. But speaking of defense, I really wanted to acknowledge John Morant and, and, and yeah. his defensive yeah, effort, which was, which was big, you know, that block shot, big clutch, clutch block shot as well. Um, and you could just see his effort. You could just see him, you know, being more intentional about staying in front of his man, trying to fight through screens. Um, he was more intentional. I, and what was good for me to see and encouraging is that he, he didn't have any steals, which is something that he regularly had in the preseason. And, it, of course, it's preseason, but I think he was shouldering so much of the load just offensively, him trying to make sure that he got everybody going. I think he sort of felt that they're down guys and he really kind of needs to take over. So I really think there's even upside for him um, to even get better. To, I mean, he'll get better throughout the year anyway, but I think he has a real great opportunity. I don't think he was looking for those opportunities in too much um, in this particular game, but I think as he sort of gets some of his help back, he he probably will. And so I was just curious. I did look up his defensive rating uh, for, the, for that one game. It was one game, but it was at 110. Um, which is at I mean, least average, so at least that puts him in net, you know, neutral defensively, which we always said, if he can even just be a net neutral, that would be good. And like I said, I think there's more ways he can grow in terms of getting steals, and so he could easily, you know, make that even lower as, as, the, as the games progress. So uh, that was extremely exciting to see that it's carried over from what we saw in preseason to the regular season. Yeah, I, I was happy. There was one play where he was guarding Evan Fournier, and he blocked the shot, but because like he jumped forward toward Fournier and he was in the landing space, they call a foul, three shot foul. But Ja blocked it clean. Yeah. If he had if he was in position where he could have went straight up there to block the shot, straight up and straight down, it would have been fa- fantastic. It was still a pretty good play, but because of the rules, it ended up being a foul. That you know, there were definitely multiple occasions where you saw the effort from him. You saw him kind of pushing, and I, if that's his level, if that's where he goes to the next level this year, is on the defensive end. I can't freaking wait to see this team healthy. Yeah, man, definitely a more concerted effort on the defensive end. We saw it all throughout the preseason, and it carried over into last night. But one thing that I observed last night, we've seen John in the past kind of picking spots. Not that he hasn't been great in the first half and in the third quarter, but we used to always talk about fourth quarter job. One thing about last night, he came out from the onset like imposing his will and kind of did it throughout the game. It wasn't pick a spot here. Sometimes you see him kind of defer to other guys at times and don't doesn't really push it. And then in the fourth quarter, he kind of tried to take over the game. He started off from the tip. He was ready to go. Um, and, I mean, he ended up scoring 34 points. I really do think he's going to be right in the mix for that MVP conversation because I I think he's going to average 30 points a game this year. I mean, he's just – he's on another plane right now. I mean, you can – year after year, he adds something to his game. And you talk about the defensive end. If he starts even, like you said, just a, a net of zero uh, on the defensive end, it's going to be ridiculous. They're knocking down the three last night. Uh, what was he from three? Three or six from three. I mean, knocking knocking down the three, getting better on the defensive end. I mean, I I don't even know what to say, man. Good luck uh, to opposing defenses because uh, I think John Morant just posed to have a otherworldly year. And that's talking about going back to the year last year that he had and how great that was. I think he's going to even top that, and that's crazy to say. And we've 
talked about his ceiling. I don't even know. I don't even know if he has one. I mean, it's just ridiculous what this guy's doing. And I think we saw that on full display last night. And this is game one. I mean, he, he had, hadn't even got warmed up yet, man. So I think it's going to be a special, special season, man. I think we're going to see some incredible stuff from from Jai this year and and going into the future, man. It's just just fun. You got to pinch yourself to realize that he's here in Memphis, man. He plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, man. It's just crazy. And and my dream came true. It was a few times where it cut him off at the lane and he just put that floater up. Oh man. And it, and sometimes it didn't go in. It didn't always go in for him, but you just you want to see him. I want to see him take that shot, cut him off in the lane, try to hit that floater, a couple mid mid-range shots. I saw it, it was a little bit more obvious. I mean, time to time you see him do it maybe once. Um sometimes like if that one doesn't go in, you kind of abandon it. But I saw him, you know, a few times, even though yeah, he didn't always go in, he, he took the shot. And um yeah. That's all you can ask for. I mean, eventually it'll go in for him because uh, he's got the touch. It's just a matter of probably you know, the, the practice. Hey, he can he can hit that shot. He, he really can. And so I, I just want to see him continue to work on that along with the three-point um, attempts. You like to see the attempts, um, you know, six attempts is a good – good. it's good for him, especially if he can hit half of them. you knock down three, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that every night. I don't know if he'll always be able to do that because he's always been kind of streaky. But yeah. – you know, you still just want to see him I mean, when that when the three isn't going down. You want him to get comfortable with that mid range shot because he can always go to that. And so you just saw him be a three level scorer, uh, a two kind of two way guy, and, and all around. I think you see him being aware of that's sort of what it takes. You got to be able to provide something on the defensive end if you want to win the MVP and if you want to, you know, be able to provide championship level, championship level play to your team. I think he's better understanding what that looks like, and he's putting in the work. He's putting in the work, and it's showing up now. Yeah, I was saying, uh, over the offseason, since he's been in the league, time after time, man, go watch Chris Paul. Watch Chris Paul tape to those pull-up mid-ranges, man, because if he if he can perfect that, I mean, he's he's already pretty unguardable. If he gets that mid-range going consistently, you just there's just nothing you can do. I mean, he can pull up from three, he can, he can take the mid-range, take your dribble, go into the basket. I mean, it's, it's just going to be scary season, man. It's already that, but if he gets that mid-range, man, just He's gonna be completely unstoppable, and that's when you're talking about MVP and, and, and everything like that. Right. And one last one last thing on job before before we move on. I know I talked about talked about him a bit, but the guy had nine assists, and the and the team shot was at thirty eight percent from the field, thirty eight point nine percent from the field. Nine assists and had thirty four points and, nine, and super efficient and every. I mean, just doing it all, man. So nobody <laughs> could shoot, and he it, and he it still, still had nine assists. Nine assists. Man, yeah. that is that is incredible. Like imagine on a night that the team actually can can shoot like forty five, dare I say, percent from the field. Uh, man, I mean, he could have easily had had high number double digit assists. You know, some some shots that were just easy open looks that just guys couldn't knock down. Uh, I, I, when you look at the mid range shots, that is a couple of them didn't go down. You look at the uh, you look at the assist that a couple guys couldn't make. He could have easily been like forty and twenty. Forty, yeah, yeah. easily, easily. Easily last night. There, there were a few shots that he got Bane where Bane was wide open and he just Bane was not himself. Yep, and, and he missed the shots. And so you know he was just you know a couple rolls from you know double digit assist. You know we, we're talking about John and Isaac mentioned him not really having a ceiling. Um, I, I met some people last night. They come, they come down the row, and the wife was like, "Oh, we're gonna be buddies," and she was wearing a Nick shirt. And I was like, "We are absolutely not going to be buddies. <laughs> like you came in here wearing the wrong shirt." But we, we had a great conversation during the game, and uh, before it started, one of the things that she asked me, she said, "Who is your goat?" 
and you know, it's for me, that conversation is kind of, it's loaded. Like it depends on what era you grew up watching basketball in. Um, there are a lot of arguments for different guys, but at the end of the conversation, I'm like, I hope that at some point we can insert Ja into that conversation. And based off of what he said at the presser and, and the, the media day at the beginning of the year, you know, they're like, oh, you're a top 10 player. You want to move said, up now? You know, yeah. He's like, I, I, I'm not satisfied with it. He has that drive. And I, I think if you ask almost anybody, they're going to, they're going to kind of tell you that, but th- there's a difference between somebody saying that and then actually putting in the work to get to that. And I feel like John Moran is a guy that has the work ethic and he has the talent that he can get to the point where he will be the face of the NBA and the best player in the league. Does that happen this year? Does it happen next year? I don't know. I I don't know. Like there's no guarantee that it's going to happen at all, but if it doesn't, it's not going to be lack from lack of effort on his part. So, you know, yeah, we, we ate up a lot of time talking about John Morant, but if you're listening to a Grizzlies podcast, you want to hear (laughs) that you want to hear somebody talk about something else. This is not the podcast for you because we we're going to talk about John Morant and I'd be willing to bet you if it's a Grizzlies podcast, you're going to be hearing his name quite a bit anyway. Yeah, but so, just, I was gonna say real quick, man. I know we're we've been loading up on job, but I definitely think he has that gene. Like a lot of guys say that, oh, I want to be the best. I want to do this. I want to do that. But there, there have been guys like Mike MJ, Michael Jordan, Kobe was like that. Um, if you go to other sports, stuff like Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers, they just have this mentality where they feel like they're the best MF on the floor or, or the field every time they walk out there, and they have this drive to whatever they need to do to be the best. They're going to put that work in to do that. And we've seen it summer after summer that he's come back and gotten better and better. And I I just think one day he's going to get there because I believe he believes that he's going to get there and he has the talent to get there. Like a lot of guys, you can say certain things and sometimes you just, you're not talented enough. I don't care how hard you work. You're never going to be the best player in the league. I, I really do think John Morant, could be the best player in the league one day when we look up. Like I, I really do believe that. That's not homerism because we're covering the Grizzlies and we're in Memphis. I really do believe that. If he was on another team, I would probably say the same thing. I feel like he has the work ethic and the talent. You put those two things together, I, I think he can get there. Yep, I, I want hundred percent agree with that, man. That that is, and and he's in Memphis. He wants to be in Memphis. I, I feel like as Grizzlies fans, love it. You know, we, we cover the team, but as a fan of basketball and a fan of this team, I am like, we're getting to watch this firsthand. And so it, it's, I feel like it's all up from here for this team. And yeah, it's, it's one game, right? Like not too high, not too low, but I think you can stay at a certain level of high whenever it comes to your expectations for Ja Morant because the bar that we set for him, I feel like it's never going to be as high as the bar that he sets for himself. 100%. I agree. So, uh, you know, Bain, Bain had kind of an off night. There was a scare. He went off the floor and went back into the locker room. The training staff worked on him. Post game, Taylor Jenkins and I, for whatever reason, short busted and closed that tab. 
So I don't have his exact quote up anymore, but essentially he just said it was cramps, nothing to be concerned. What do you say? So, (laughs) you know, I I got a little frustrated because when he came back out and I know that that was his competitiveness, like he wanted to be out there because that's his mentality. But, you know, it's game one of 82. If it is just cramps, get him off the floor and like, you know, get, get him a treatment, get something on it. And maybe if they go away completely, you bring him back out there. But if you lose this first game, it is not even close to the end of the world. But if you lose Desmond Bain for the rest of the season because you pushed him too hard in game one, your season is going to be struggling. You know, and, and that's so I, I am more on the the, I guess, be cautious side of it. And I got the the quote of it said he just cramped at the end. Obviously, credit to him, the performance staff, for getting him ready to come back in. But we just felt like, hey, let's be cautious here. We've got a long season ahead of us. It was just cramping, nothing concerning. But if they were being cautious, why the hell did they put him back out on the floor? (laughs) Well, I was going, I was going nuts. Like I, I was right there with you. I'm like, why is this dude on the floor? This is game. One of 82, and this man, not only was he a liability, just take that part of it out of it, a liability on defense especially, uh, because there was one play where Nick's got back up court, and he just laboring, couldn't even get back, really get back on defense. I'm like, this is game one of 82, man. If you lose this game, that's nowhere near important. as important if you lose Desmond Bain for mm-hmm. a significant amount of time, man. Just set him down, man. I mean, it's we next man up mentality. This team is built on that. Don't and then, do not have this guy on the floor right now. Like I, I next man it. up. What what yeah. happened? What ha- when they go next man up? When they when they send him to the bench because he can't get up and down the floor. Tyus Jones comes in the Jones, game, yeah. no. and the next offensive possession, Tyus Jones knocks down, <laughs> knocked down a the big, massive big three. three, massive three. Uh, they were Bain had been struggling anyway, so I'm not really sure why you feel like he's. Just yeah, man, I didn't. Play. Honestly, he had had it that whole night when he before the before the quote unquote cramps, and yeah. so I'm not sure why you'd lean on him in those moments. Anyway, I mean, you, I mean, t- t- uh, Jenkins has a tendency to go with the hot hand, and that just wasn't Bain. Not that night. Not not last no. night. No, I, mean, I, I, I figured he probably. Dead. I feel like he's the second best player on this team. I think that's pu- what it is. Push comes that's- to shove. I, I want him on the floor, but it, it's not in game one, not in no. game one of 82, not in game five of 82 early in the season, man, get, get in the locker room and get treatment on that thing. Let's get you better for the next game. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I want to win, but as much as you have to have regular season wins to get into the playoffs, we saw last year you have to be healthy whenever you get to the playoffs in order yeah, to win. Like, and so having him, yeah, I, I just wasn't a fan of the way that it was handled. But you know, it, it's just cramps. Everything is good. Nothing concerning. I hope that's the case. We'll find out. And he wasn't on the injury report today. So if it was anything more than that, I felt like we would get maybe a some sort of injury up, update. But there was nothing on him today. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't agree with. I was gonna say I don't agree with the situation, but I think it was just what you said. He's the second best player on the team, and I think Taylor wanted to show. Okay, I believe in my guy. Um, I'm. I'm gonna let him push through. But yeah, man, this this is game one eighty two, and even if it was game ten of eighty two, game fifteen of eighty two, I wouldn't have 
put it back out there. I mean, because they say it's just cramps and that that was surprising to me, man, because I was extremely worried. I know you two were, were at the game watching it on television. The way he went over to the sideline and you could hear him yell out and yell out an expletive when he went down to the bench and, and kind of laid down on the floor. That didn't look good at all. I was thinking knee injury when I saw it. I was like, man, this does not look good. Taylor Dickens said it's just cramps. You say he wasn't on the, on the, on was, the injury report today. I, so I will tell <laughs> you 100% it was not a knee injury because when – when and I that's saw what they, that's him, what they were, that's even what they were reporting on. The, that's what they were reporting on the broadcast. They were saying knee injury. So now, when I saw him start favor, like he was limping a little bit. Yeah. But he, there were times when he was bending over, and he was arching his back, or he was rubbing like right. If you have had sciatic nerve pain, you know that pain that you get that kind of shoots up from like your hip and it runs all the yeah. way up like the that's like one side of your body. That's where that's what it looked like to me. Like I don't, yeah. I'm, and he had a back problem in the playoffs. So. I don't know, but that's what I thought yeah. it was. Because one thing in particular that stood out to me that scared me was when when I think I, I think he I can't remember if he was the one that lost the ball it was a turnover and it was you know a hustle down. This is an overtime. It's a hustle down to go to the other end and the ball is right in front of Desmond Bain and Couldn't he can't even, even bend over to get it. Like it's right, right in front of him and the next comes like, up like, behind why, him and grabs why, it. Why is he in the game? That's that's yeah. the point, man. Like he can't. Yeah, but I thought it was his back. The ball. That reason. But yeah, but, but it, it, that that's a worry because he's had back injuries in the past, so you don't want to hope that's not something that's going to recur with him. I mean, you because back injuries are a tricky thing. We saw here at Memphis going back in the day a little bit. Mike Miller kind of struggled his entire career with that. I think kind of robbed him of some some good years. So you definitely don't want to see a guy, especially a guy this young in his career, kind of have recurring back injuries because that could be a big time issue. So hopefully it was just. Like you said, just cramps, and he's fine, and, and he's good to go tomorrow night, or maybe even if he has to sit out tomorrow night, the game after that, there's nothing serious to going forward because yeah. you, you can't well, they can't afford to lose Desmond Bain right now at all. But but definitely early in the season, man, you definitely don't want to see that. Yeah, when you've got other guys that are not healthy, and we don't know the extent of this uh, the Zaire Williams knee injury, you know that there's not been any word on you know if there's suspected surgery or anything like that that I've seen. If you guys have seen an update, I saw it was a knee injury, um, but it's it just it says knee soreness. So I I don't even know that they've had anything, any scans or anything like that done to the knee. But you don't know how long you're going to be missing him. Jaron's going to be out for a little bit here, and Dylan's not healthy. If if you lose Desmond Bain right here, we're going to get to see what these rookies really have because they're going to be playing instead of playing 12 minutes a piece, they're going to be playing 34 minutes. <laughs> And I, I don't know what that's going to look like for this team. I don't want to see it this early in the season. For no, sure. we don't. We don't want that right now. <laughs> that's not what we want, for sure. So I, I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, again, the final score of the game: one fifteen to one twelve in overtime. Got some free basketball on opening night for the Memphis Grizzlies. Got an NLE Chapa, and like that was it. It, it was. A, I love opening night. Since I've been a season ticket holder, I've never missed opening night, just because they always. I, I love the entertainment that they bring in for it, man. And yeah, Kirk Whalem with the national anthem, man. He's yeah, always man. awesome, man. Awesome with the with the saxophone, man. He does a fantastic job. So, yeah. So we will go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, next game Friday night in Houston against the Rockets. Uh, super young team. They're going to be scrappy, and they're they're running. They're leaning into the youth as hard as they can. 
Although I have no idea why they're starting Bruno Fernando over. No, I don't either, man. And, 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 yeah, when I saw that announcement, I saw where the B writers put that out. I was like, that's not a a good situation. So I made sure I looked at the box score and I looked at the box score and Sengu played really well off the bench. So I hopefully yeah. that's something that's going to change. I didn't get I that wonder, at all because I like Sengu a lot. I think he's a really good player. I wonder if that was just like a disciplinary thing. Like if something happened, you know, something that we're not really going to get any word on. It wouldn't surprise Man. me because Sengun's kind of uh, he he's like a fiery guy. Like he talks talks a lot of trash and does a lot of stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me. It could be definitely something going on there that we we're not privy to for sure. Because he he's that type of guy that I could see doing something, something happening in practice, something like that for sure. Especially on a young team. Yeah, we got uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Alpine <laughs> yeah. Sengun. They got some, um, they got some personalities possible rookie there. of the year candidate Jabari Smith. So. Should be a, another good game. The Grizzlies are favored. They should win this game, you know, because of youth and experience of the Rockets. But any given night, any NBA team can beat any team, so they got to go in there and be prepared. And specifically, they have to be prepared because they're shorthanded. You're missing a lot of your key players in this uh, in this row. Are well, three key players in your rotation. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Back to back. Yeah, first of back to back. Yep. Yeah, it's not a lot of travel. At least that's a big plus. So, although yeah. I, who knows, in from Houston to Dallas might be forty-seven hours because Texas it's just is not. It's like four. Yeah, I, I knew it wasn't that big. I was just being sarcastic because <laughs> Texas being so big. But we'll wrap it up Follow and get it. out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at NBA D Will Two One. You can find me on Twitter at Candace H Nine Zero One. Take us home. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac, double underscore NBA, I-S-A-A-C, double score NBA. Man, we'll definitely be back to recap those two games. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if it'll be tomorrow night or we're going to do one out the both, but we'll definitely definitely get you get, get uh, everything you need to know to recap the fallout from those two games. And hopefully we're talking about a, a 3-0 team, uh when, when we get done with those two games. So keep it locked in. Hey, keep those risks, man. We got you covered. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.